been a, a pleasure to get to work with people like Jim and Scott to really bring to life the mission of the why, which is um, really supporting people regardless of their ability to pay. And that's the thing that I think really hit me was um, no matter who you are, what your situation is, the why is there to help, no questions asked. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and on the local Franklin FM dial at 102.9. Here today for a discussion with our Hockamock Y folks, and we'll start with an introduction of Scott Martin. Scott, how are you doing today? Steve, I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, it's kind of that season where... You know, holidays are coming in force. Uh, the shortest day of the year is about to approach, but then it starts getting lighter. So I like that part. <laughs> and, at, and at the Y, we love it, too, because January, the New Year's right around the corner with college kids home, with the weather getting colder outside, we're seeing more and more members coming back to our buildings, more and more members, you know, interested in being healthy and exercising. And, you know, it's at a time that we really run full steam here. Indeed. So let's talk more about that. And before we get to that point, let's introduce the other two folks we have with us today. Steve, I'm I'm really happy to be joined today by Jim Downs. Jim Downs is the president and CEO, CEO of the Hockamock Area YMCA. He's a 29-year Y employee of the of our particular association. And we also have Mary Claremont. Mary Claremont is a Franklin resident who's been a Y member, but she's been a really critical volunteer for our Franklin Y branch. She started volunteering for our Y back in 1999, and she was one of the chairs of the capital campaign that was done in the early 2000s that really expanded the branch. And from there... Mary served as the chair of our board of directors. She's chaired our HR committee. So she's been a really uh, a important and essential volunteer in our Franklin Wise growth. So I've got both Jim and Mary uh, joining us today. Excellent. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. It is great to be here with you. So while Scott gave you kind of the brief intro. If you want to elaborate on that a little bit, a little bit more of either your Franklin story, Mary, in your case, or your why story or whatever you choose. So the people just, so they'll be able to recognize the voice, but then so, oh, that's that's where he's coming from sure. or she's yeah. coming from. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, so as Scott mentioned, you know, back in the 90s, um, joined in as a volunteer at the Y, um, but prior to that, moving to Franklin in 1993, really uh, looking to raise a family here. And so one of the first interactions um, that, that was my uh, first memory of the why was bringing the kids to T-ball. Right. Mm. And um, so in the early 90s, uh, my little ones decided I'm going to do T-ball and, and my husband coached. And so we were very actively involved right away with um, Pop Warner, with lacrosse, with, you know, name a sport, hockey. We were on the on the field or on the ice and also volunteering um, as part of their um, their nonprofit boards. Right. Because every single uh, sport needed support. But but once the the late 90s hit and um, I saw what the why was really all about as part of the capital campaign, uh, I jumped all in into the why because I see the impact it makes 
so broadly across all the communities that the Y supports. So it's been a lot of fun. And, um, and it's been a, a pleasure to get to work with people like Jim and Scott to really bring to life the mission of the Y, which is um, really supporting people regardless of their ability to pay. And that's the thing that I think really hit me was um, no matter who you are, what your situation is, the Y is there to help. No questions asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's goodness. And I think if I remember from my reporting, et cetera, was it your daughter that was a good runner for the high school? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, my daughter, Nicole. Um, so we had a, a great experience with Franklin High School. She um, she was on the track team and um, really had a, a it had a significant impact on her. It enabled her to to go to Boston College to run for them. And um, and really now uh, she's getting her master's in theology. And I think one day she'd love to come back and teach and coach in Franklin. Um, but she also had opportunity to work at the Y. And um, every day when she came back from her summer camp, she would say, wow, what a great day. There wasn't one day that she came back and said, oh, I can never do this again. It was, um, she said, the why is a special place for me. And and it it was the stories of the kids that were being taken care of at those camps that mm -hmm. really um, made a huge impact on her. That's good. And Jim? Yeah. So thank you. Uh, I, I would agree with Mary. Uh, Mary's been very special for us, and her daughter has been very special um, with a lot of our kids at camp. They uh, they look up to her, not just as an athlete, but just a great kid um, and a great role model for all of our camp counselors. So my story, I actually moved to the area right around the same time that Mary moved to Franklin. Um, I grew up in New York, uh, graduated from college, and, and um, came to work at the Y part-time, and I've been here ever since not part-time, but full-time for, <laughs> for my career. But I started part-time uh, and I started working with teens back in the early 90s. And I, I I share this story with Mary because Mary worked at Putnam and and um, and Putnam actually backed uh, teen leadership. Um, they gave us a teen leadership grant back in the day and I was able to start some youth entrepreneur clubs, some leadership clubs, some government programming with the kids. And uh, and then from there, it's like Scott said, it's been 29 years I've been here and and uh, I wouldn't do anything else. I love I love the impact the Y has and I love the impact that our volunteers have and our staff uh, from our part time staff all the way to our full time staff. They just have a heart for for changing the community for the better. Um, and, you know, we're proud of the organization that we have and proud of, proud of what we've been able to do, uh, whether it's during the pandemic, pre-pandemic, and even hopefully now, as we like to believe, post-pandemic, um, mm -hmm. as we move forward and just, you know, continue to listen to the community and what the needs are, and then try and be a part of it, whether it's partnering, uh, collaborating with other youth organizations or other nonprofits, or doing something on our own. You know, that's that's really as an organization what we're all about is just meeting the needs in the community. And to the extent that you're celebrating 50 years, congratulations. Mm -hmm. But I think that also Thank speaks you. to that evolution. You're you're not just one thing. You're listening, you're revolving, you're meeting and you're continuing to, oh, by the way, raise money as well in order to do that. But that that's that's a part of the, what the organization needs to do to continue to go forward. Yeah, the, the evolution is definitely amazing. If you look back, and I wasn't here 50 years ago, but I, I, I have spent some time with volunteers who've shared stories about our organization and, and where we were back then and how 
really how small we were and how we were surviving week to week because of the volunteers. And, you know, I hear stories of um, some of our, I'll use the word old timers because that's what they call themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, our old time volunteers who literally would have to go into their own checkbooks to pay payroll back in the early Mm seventies. And I think about it and I'm so grateful for that because had they, had they not done that, you know, the organization that we are now with close to 30,000 members and and camps and childcare centers and feeding programs and teen programs and our chronic disease programming, none of that stuff would have happened if they weren't willing to open up their checkbooks back in the 70s to say, we got to pay this staff or we're going to have to shut down. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's amazing to see that and just be grateful for for the our history. Um, but we have come a long way and we've changed over the years and 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 we've evolved according to what the needs were in the community. And you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about during the pandemic and some of the things that uh, we were able to do during that. So I don't know if Scott or Mary want to talk a little bit about maybe food access or our remote learning um, and some of the other stuff we were able to do. Yeah, if I could just jump in for a minute, you know, thinking about um what the the building and how it's grown over time, you know, that that building, I didn't even recognize it as a Y when we first arrived in Franklin. It was a a tiny little white house, it looked like. And and the the field in the back where they played T ball was rutted and kind of bound in by the the well that's up on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. And to see what is it was able to become, and that's given the generosity of the Vernon family and the Robbins family and many other contributors. Um, it just was it was mind blowing to see what the the why could become, and then to see how many kids were able to participate. And now they have a beautiful splash park in the back. is is just phenomenal. If you look at old pictures back in the day when um, when when it all started back in the really the, the early 90s for Franklin and then building it into what it is today. It's it's phenomenal. And now it it provides so many things beyond just just camp. Um, it's It's got even and more. I'll let Scott talk about food access, but that's a pivot that the Y was able to make just based on need for the community, which is what the Y does so well. Yeah, and, and Steve, um, you know, a part of a big part of my job as as branch executive director uh, is to share that why story in the community because I meet a lot of folks. Um, part of my job is learning what the needs are in the community, and I do that by getting involved in different groups: Franklin Downtown Partnership, the Franklin Rotary Club. Um, you know, we've got relationships with the Food Pantry and the Safe Coalition, so it helps me understand what the needs are. But I meet a lot of folks that. That, you know, even our most active members sometimes don't see those seeds, those sides of the why. Um, they remember us as the place where they did swim lessons or summer camp, and mm-hmm. and we do those things really, really well. Uh, but there's so many areas that we've grown as a community partner um, in the past ten years uh, that I can speak to. My time here in food access is one of those specific areas where, uh, when COVID hit and our Y facility had to shut down, uh, we wanted to do things for for our members and our community because we knew people were out of work and we knew people weren't bringing home a paycheck with the whole world shut down. So our members, we rallied our members to drop off. Um, bags of food that we could then do a food drive uh, to those in need. And what we found pretty quickly, those first few weeks we did it, that the demand was so overwhelming of people in this community 
uh, who needed access to food that our member donations weren't enough. So we really built a whole infrastructure and a program around it, uh, including developing a relationship with the Greater Boston Food Bank and, and a, uh, where we research grants that we could apply for and apply grant, grant funding. And now it's grown to the point where our three branches, our branches in Franklin, Foxborough, North Attleboro, all have a small separate food access building on site where we coordinate, coordinate these efforts. We've got a team of volunteers that do weekly food pickups, uh, and we've got partners partnerships with the local food pantries in the 15 communities we serve. Right now, we have nine different mobile pop-up sites. So, mm. for example, we coordinate with the Franklin Food Pantry, and we figure out if they're able to provide perishables, we provide non perishables. And we'll go to people where people are, different apartment complexes in Franklin, uh, where people might not have access to a vehicle and can get to the food pantry. We'll coordinate with them and bring that there. So literally within a span of 24 months, we went from members dropping off food at our front door while we were closed so we could then, you know, inventory it and hand it out to having vehicles on the road um, and a relationship with the Greater Boston Food Bank and to have a lasting program that we think will really help people. It's just, it speaks to kind of the wise role in learning what the community needs and then finding a way to fill that gap the best we can. And just to, for those folks that are number pe numbers people out there, um, we've done close to 70,000 bags of groceries worth $50 each, uh, and over a half a million meals, uh, since 2020. So for those, I know there's a lot of people out there that are into numbers, right? So that kind of shares, Scott told the story, but there's, you know, all those families and, and, um, attach the meals and the, and the bags of groceries. There's, it's, it's been a lot, but it's only happened because of our volunteer support, community support. I know Mary did a food drive in her neighborhood um, and a bunch of neighborhoods did food drives. And, and that's that's really how it all came about. It was through the support of the community. It, and as a result of the food drive, my neighbors learn more about my involvement in the Y and mm -hmm. they've come forward with other needs. And instantly um, Scott's able to uh, take care of those needs. So one of my neighbors was working with um, uh, an immigrant family and they had just arrived in Franklin. She was helping with the medical care, but she needed a place for the two teenage boys to go. And the father who had been wounded and they had lost their mother. Could you right. imagine arriving in a country very different from the Afghanistan that you left, mm -hmm. not being able to work, having two young kids, not having your spouse. And, you know, what do you do? And these these people were instantly, I mean, literally, it was, I think, of Friday at one. And by Friday at four, Scott was talking to them and they came in Saturday and had confidential scholarships so that they could be members and have a place to go and start learning about the community and being included and feel like they belong. So it's, it's things like that that are just you don't hear about those stories that I just wanted to bring to life of how much we impact, whether it's a whole a whole team of people or even just one family. You know, it's just amazing how how that happens. And I think that highlights a couple of pieces because I had heard of the story through one of the other groups and I think effectively ended up sponsoring that family to come here. But the interrelation of the other organizations certainly the why um, and a school department for sure, other organizations to come together to provide that full set of support that the family needed in 
obviously were dropped here and then didn't have that. Never mind the language issues, et cetera. It's just, oh, wait a minute, we're here. Now, now how do we do this? Yeah. So it's in my opinion, um, we sh- you know, we talk a lot about the, the, the community effort. Everything that we do has to be a community effort, right? I mean, it, we all, you know, we offer different services um, and sometimes we duplicate services, but the more we can do together um, and, you know, work through to help families like this family that we're talking about right now. And there's, there's a lot of them out there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in 2022, we'll give out over $2.2 million in scholarships between our, our, all of our facilities and the 15 communities we serve. And so you think about, you know, that's a lot of money, but it's a lot of people that are impacted, um, by ROI and other organizations that we partner with to help, um, to meet their needs. Cause we all have set, set programs, set services that we can, that we can offer. But if we, you know, as a community, if the school, the town, other nonprofits, um, the churches, um, the Y get together, we, you know, we're a safety net for these mm-hmm. families that need us. And that's really what it's about. So, um, we took, do we want to talk a little bit about kind of some of the history piece? Mary mentioned a little bit. Um, so the 50 years for us in Franklin's a, is a really large piece of that. So in 1972, we became the Hawkmock YMCA, which was the Franklin Y and the North Attleboro Y becoming one um, to make the Hawkmock area YMCA. And there's a lot of stories that go around. Some of them, I think, maybe a little embellished, but still fun to hear about how they sat around a table and made some agreements together that basically if Franklin, who had some money in the pot, um, would partner with North Attleboro so we could build the North Attleboro facility um, and then turn around and eventually build the Franklin facility. That was kind of the the gentleman's handshake, I'll say, Mm -hmm. um, back in the day, which did come to fruition. All of the volunteers definitely say that. It took a little while, but it definitely happened. And and so if the two communities and the two separate Ys had not come together, um, the Hockamock Area YMCA wouldn't wouldn't have actually happened, right? So they would have continued to be two separate Ys and probably wouldn't have had a facility in either of them because of the challenges that they both had um, financially at the time. And I know um, Franklin has been around um, for over a hundred years and uh, in different capacities and different locations and the same thing with North Attleboro. But the 50 is really the Hockamock area YMCA. Right. And then, you know, and then Mary talked a little bit about in the late eighties, right. There was a, the groundbreaking happened in 1988 for the Forge Hill YMCA in 1994. Uh, we have some pictures of um, Lee Robbins and Alan Burden um, dedicating the Aquatic Center. Uh, and then in 1999 is when the capital campaign started for what is the current facility now, um, with a couple of new additions here and there, like the Splash Park that Mary mentioned. Um, but the history is definitely long, um, but it's come a long way in, in, in those 20, 25 years, 50 years. Um, certainly the last 25 have been amazing uh, that the, what we've been able to do from a facility standpoint, what we've been able to do from a program standpoint and services um, have grown so much mm-hmm. um, under the leadership of, of um, our previous CEO, Ed Hurley, uh, and board members like Mary and some some others that are very important to us as well. Uh, Brian Early was also a board chair who's a Franklin resident. Um, Jeff Duffesey, who has Domino's, which is his, he's based out of Franklin, has been a very integral piece. And, and I know I'm forgetting some, but the list goes on. There's many other 
um, people that live in Franklin that have been an integral part of creating the Hockmock Area YMCA for what it is today. So very grateful for that group. You realize um, you realize how much impact the the Y has when you when you see life come full circle. So people um, from the high school that my kids, so I, the, the two boys and my daughter would see Peter Willis at the football games taking yes. pictures, mm-hmm. and it it was um, just you know the boy that everybody would smile for, and and they didn't really know his story. And then I show up at the um, the integration initiative events, whether it's the Legends Ball or the Legends Golf or the integration initiative golf team, you name it. And there's Peter Willis. And not only did the Y give him a chance to have a, a place where he belonged, but they took his craft and his love of photography and they helped put it on display. Mm-hmm. And at one point they took um, King Street, which wasn't King Street Cafe yet, and um, put on a display and he had a, an art show and people were invited from all around and it and it gave him a chance to show off his art. And here's someone who um, with his um, with his limitations couldn't speak. And now he's verbal and mm-hmm. now he's got a business and now he's happy and connected and, and a contributing adult. And, um, you know, that was the kid that took pictures at the football games. Right. And, and now he's a a contributing member of our community. And that's just amazing. He's just one example of how the Y has made a difference. And he's one example, Mary, he's a great example of somebody who's literally grown up at our Y. And like you said, you you see that over the years and, you know, and I'm so proud of those stories of people that have grown up and now they've been impacted. They may, a lot of them become staff members and then they return it to the younger children in their programs. Uh, but I also know too, a lot of the, a lot of the impact we have is when some people are literally, you know, one job loss, one medical diagnosis, one unplanned divorce, they're, they're, they're that safety net all of a sudden uh, falls apart and they need, they need some support and they need it quickly. I know one of the, one of, um, you know, my favorite, uh, you know, when I look back in the past few years, helping somebody out of the blue, I, I got a phone call one day from our state representative, Jeffrey Roy, um, who had, who was contacted by a grandmother in town who, uh, who had assumed full-time custody of her granddaughter. Her, her own daughter had been going through some substance abuse disorder issues. The grandmother um, assumed full custody of the granddaughter, uh, but the grandmother was still working full time and needed mm. to work full time, wasn't in a place. And, you know, to get a call from our state rep, Jeff Roy, saying, Scott, um, is there anything that the Y can do to help um, this person who has custody of her, her three-year-old? And that's one of the proudest things that we can do is when someone's in an immediate need like that, and we've got voices in the community like Jeff Roy recommending us them to the Y and letting the Y know, we've got a, a full, fully state-licensed child care program at our Y, at our Franklin Y, a state-licensed uh, before and after school care program. So for this grandmother who really had to work full-time and really wasn't prepared uh, for full-time child rearing at the, that stage in life, we were able to bring her daughter to our child care program. So the grandmother could still work full-time knowing that her granddaughter was safe with us, learning and growing. Um, and the grandmother was so thankful that she can continue 
working, continue paying her mortgage and doing what she had to do. And her granddaughter was safe with us and learning and growing and, you know, going to be ready to enter kindergarten. And, um, you know, and that's what I think one of the, the, the things that our why does the best that, you know, I, I think not everybody knows about is that when that safety net isn't there uh, and local families need us to step up in different ways, that we are literally a phone call away and we'll drop what we're doing and focus on it and try our best to, to put an action plan and put something in place as quickly as possible. And, and Scott, that story reminds me of my daughter's time at the Y because she was able to have that child in camp. Mm-hmm. And so she immediately saw the impact the Y was having on that family, but more importantly was able to, um, really take time to make sure that child felt part of the organization and Mm. part of the team with all the other kids. And, um, you know, that, that child obviously had been through some difficult times and the camp was there to make sure everybody was included. And, um, and so all the high school students that end up working or college students that end up working in summer camp, they really, um, get to bring that mission of the Y to life and it really impacts them personally. And their whole view on what it means to take care of others and take care of our own community. It just was um, just amazing to see the impact that had on on my daughter and and her friends who also worked at the Y. You know, it's just a great place for kids to get um, a chance to really get work experience, but in a way that impacts them and their lives it's it's a real great experience for those kids just entering college well we often we often think that one of the the major things that our why brings to the table is the quality of our staff members they are amazing people they do this job for the right reasons they are unselfish they're humble um we start during covid um when so many of our staff members while our facility was closed shifted to roles in not only our food access program but we had a hybrid a remote learning out of school time program that we had gymnastics directors and our aquatics directors uh running um hybrid learning sites you know and they were trained to be gymnastics directors and and sports directors but they were they understood that that's where the help was needed they understood that was the best way to serve the community so in a very selfless way um they took and learned how to do these new roles because they knew that parents who had to work um they needed to to be on their jobs and you know our staff has always gone above and beyond and and some of the ones they you know this could be their very first job in high school this could be one of their first jobs out of college and they continue to amaze us with how how humble they are and how willing they are to to do this work for the right reasons because they get a chance to see um the impact it's making on a child and um it just blows me away what they're willing to contribute yeah i think that's key because the um clearly in that coaching they knew the relationship with students as athletes in that case um and they were able to they already had that how do i help somebody do what they need to do and then they also have to learn the technology in the first place (laughs) but once they got the technology down they were able then to you know create that comfort create that space be the help um and thereby ultimately succeeded so so i i also think about scott the um just the the things that naturally happen that the people aren't even 
um, giving a second thought to things like, um, uh, you know, not just the out of school learning program, but um, how that helped families who who needed to work, how the first responders had to go in and face, you know, the unknowns of COVID. And, and it was the selflessness of, of the staff members that I think really um, makes it such a go-to place, right? You could, you could go to any gym and work out in, in Franklin, right? There's plenty of options, but, but when you go to the Y, you're actually contributing to the, the overall well-being of the whole community. And people, I don't think people think about that, whether you're, you know, in the silver sneakers program and, and using the track um, or whether you're um, using the pool exercises, you know, it's, it's, it's all reciprocal, right? And, and so the more you give, the more it gives back to our community and, and those, those kids, the most vulnerable of our population now have a really great place to go. And I had the um, pleasure of visiting summer camps when I was board chair, I, I would make it a point to go out and see all the programming. And, and I'll never forget when I went on, uh, it was, uh, I think it was called messy day. And, uh, and the, the, the that, camp that conveys a certain image. <laughs> yeah, and many of the camp counselors volunteered to get a, a shaving cream pie in the face. And, um, and the kids were just giddy with the, the uh, the gamesmanship that went on that day and it was it was just so fun and you could see these kids were having the best summer of their life and um and that was that was just one thing I had had the pleasure of doing. Yeah, summer camp has been one of those areas where, uh, in particular, when we look to the future of our why, um, it's a program that. There's such a need for parents who work throughout the summer to have great, great experiences for their children when school ends. And, and our summer camp program continues to grow and grow uh, to the point where we may need to expand and, and even sites off our campus here in Franklin, because right now we have about anywhere from 425 to about 450 kids a day wow. at our day camp. Um, it's 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 one of those things where um, working parents want to know their kids are safe, active not on social media all day, making friends. And uh, we've got such a popular program up here. One of the things, again, too, that we do, as Mary first mentioned, with our scholarship program, you know, we never turn anybody away based on their ability to pay. And typically during our summer camp season, uh, about one in every five campers will receive some sort of financial aid to attend our summer camps because we, we certainly need to make this uh, it's part of our DNA to make this affordable to everybody. Uh, so about one out, we find out one out of every five campers are getting some sort of financial aid to allow them to be in our camps. And it is something that all of our branches have seen, you know, this really need for parents to have that safe place for their kids to be active in the summer. And as Mary said, our counselors know during messy week, do not wear your best clothes. <laughs> um, my son, I forgot, my son, borrowed one of my, I had a bright orange polo. We call it my safety cone polo. And my son wore that to, um, to one of the, to one of the events in that week, because it was like a hot pink fluorescent, you know, wear your brightest color stuff to messy week. And needless to say, I'll never get that shirt back in the same, <laughs> in the same space again. Dad had to be a dad lesson saying, Ryan, I knew you're going to have fun. You're going to forget what you're doing. And um, so, yes, yeah, so one of my nicer golf polos, uh, but the, the counselors themselves really get into the spirit of we put the word role models on their counselor uniforms and they really take that to heart not only through um making sure the kids have fun 
but one of the things all our it's always all of our employees go through a significant child protection training. And I think that's another one of the cornerstones of what makes our why really a unique place is how seriously we take um, child protection. I know when I started in this job um, 10 years ago, the very first thing I did on the job at Franklin Y was sit at a desk by myself and go through child protection training. Before I met my staff, before I met a single member, I really couldn't do a single thing in my role um, until I went through a really thorough child protection training. And as, as Jim can kind of tell you a little bit more, I mean, it is one of those things that we're known not only within our area, but across the country, our why is seen as one of the leaders in this area. Yeah, child protection is definitely a priority for our organization and not just our organization, but uh, working with others um, to train around child protection, whether that's mm-hmm. youth serving organizations, whether that's uh, youth sports organizations, um, churches, the schools. Uh, and, and we do a lot of this programming and we do it free of charge. So we have trainers within our, our staff team um, that go out. And really, it's just about identifying um, any gaps you may have that would invite um potential predators in, right? And mm-hmm. looking for things like making sure you have windows um, in all of your rooms, not allowing adults to be one-on-one with children, um, you know, a, a lot of that type of stuff. And and so we've been very fortunate that um, our leadership of our organization has made that a priority over the years. And, and I don't know, a lot of people know the stories that happened in Foxborough um, with the Boy Scout leader and um, the, uh, the teacher um, for the years. In fact, the movie just came out uh, probably three or four days ago, maybe a, maybe a week ago um, around that whole story and how, you know, he's a predator in Foxborough. And we think about Foxborough, similar to a Franklin community, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty affluent community. Um, and uh, this gentleman um, abused over 100 kids between his time in Foxborough and down in Florida. And nobody knew in Foxborough that it was happening. It was, mm. you know, it was a, it was a, it's really sad. And so we're trying to eliminate that, eliminate, eliminate that from happening uh, in our communities. And it's way more prevalent than any of us think, uh, which is unfortunate, but something we need to work on. So uh, try and change. Let's try and go a little more positive because that is unfortunately a sad subject, but something that's really important and something we need to focus on as an organization. No, um, I think you know, it's talked- a... Yeah, it's the state of the world, unfortunately, that you can't avoid. You're in it. So you need to respond to it appropriately. And in my corporate life, I was in information protection. So it was not quite as risky, but there were different aspects of the same type of risk in privacy and protection. And in the financial world, the dollars matter as well. Never mind, a child's life might be even more important than a dollar. A dollar can be replaced. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we talked a little bit about camp and, you know, I think there's some programs that, you know, we're really proud of as an organization, our Adventures in Respect program, which is a bullying prevention program that we do. Um, not only do we do it in camp and we do it with our all of our youth programs, but we also do it for our local school systems. Um, and so we bring school systems out depending on um, the school system for one or two days. Um, and we, we teach them a lot of different things about um, team building, but we also focus on bullying prevention and how, you know, how that, um, you know, just comments can make a difference in people's lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we, we talk a lot about right now, um, the challenges we have around mental health, you know, if we could, we could all be a little nicer to each other, it would certainly help. 
um, our, our communities. And, and so um, that takes me right into another program, our Be Nice. Did you guys talk at all about that? Be Nice is a program we do at our at our camps as well. So um, it's really about teaching values, right? Like everything that we do is, it's, you know, basketball is a tool for us to also teach some values, mm-hmm. right? Our camps are a way for us to t- teach values. And, and ultimately our goal with our youth programs is um, is for our kids to grow up and be positive contributing adults, right? And that's that's part of what we want to do. We want them to have a fun, want them to have fun because if they're not having fun, they're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if we can be teaching those values of caring, honesty, respect, responsibility, um, you know, through the programming, it, it goes a long way. And that ultimately, that's our goal. It's you know, if someone ends up being an NBA basketball player because they went through our program, well, that's great, but um, you know, we really want people to learn the values. That's really what it's all, all about. So um, we're certainly very proud of that and, and a lot of other youth programs that we're a part of. I do think now more than ever, um, since COVID has just shaken kind of everybody's identity a little bit and, uh, you know, whether it's um, kids not having enough socialization or mental health of everybody being shut in, you know, the why is more important than ever now, I think. Um, Certainly saw that in summer camp over the last few years, just through my daughter's stories, she actually was the the choose to be nice person in Franklin two years ago. And, you know, was just talking about how kids were acting out because they hadn't been in the classroom. Mm. So they weren't socializing very well. And uh, had a great story after the the honesty, section and one little boy had done something to another little boy and and the counselor was asking uh asking them about you know so and so did you hit so and so and little boy said honestly yes i did (laughs) my daughter my daughter's jaw hit the ground like wow they actually listened it's Um, working but it it was (laughs) you know, just that moment of, you know, they, they understand and they can rationalize with these kids, you know, that what the values are and, um, and, and teaching them to be honest was more about you know, doing the right thing. Um, and, and so it just, just goes to show, you know, the wise responded by offering these kind of things, um, and making sure our most vulnerable population has the, the uh, support they need to be um, to be social citizens with each other. And that's hard, especially when they spent so much time in and out of school. Mm. Oh, they're back in, they're out, they're in, they're out, mask, no mask. You know, it's very difficult for kids. Yeah, so much uncertainty. People weren't able to, I mean, we we individually were also, well, what's going on? Well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what the day brings, right? So. <laughs> And we, we said that throughout our whole time during COVID. Every decision we make today, we're going to make with the best information we have today because mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to be told to us tomorrow. And, you know, the decision we made today, we may look at it tomorrow and be like, well, wish we, we had this information that we have today, mm-hmm. yesterday, because we probably would have made a decision differently. But the truth is, you know, as a society, we were all going through that. And it was it was a very challenging time. And, and you know, thankfully, Hopefully we don't see another anything like that again in, in our, our lifetime, at least. Um, but it's definitely been real challenging. Yeah, indeed. I, I hope that 
the lessons that you've shared in terms of having recognized and then learned to be kind to one another, et cetera, to make the decision for the moment to accept somebody, you know, mm -hmm. that's where they are, accept them from where they are. And then let's work forward to go forward. If others did that, that would be a better state for us to go forward too. So, yeah. Well, thank you for taking time. I think there's been a bunch of stories. I'm sure we, there may be more stories. We may have to do another one of these. But... <laughs> yeah, Steve, appreciate you having us on today. It's it's always, we're very proud of the organization, very proud of our volunteers and our staff. And uh, we appreciate being part of the Franklin community. And, and uh, thank you for having us on today and being able to share our story. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we are, thank we are you. very fortunate in this community to have this kind of support and organization. It's um, having been uh, HR for Putnam in Franklin and seeing, you know, what, what happens in people's lives and the support that they need, you know, Franklin Y is always there to support what people need. And that's, that's what's just so um, reassuring about the community that we live in, that we have a place that can take care of, no matter what, they might not directly be able to take care of the issue, but have all the resources and they're kind of the convener that makes sure that, that the problems are solved. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, you know, and Steve, one of the things that, that, you know, when I think about how lucky I am to be able to work for uh, and lead the Franklin Y, our youngest member is six weeks old and our oldest member is in the 90s. We're a true cross section of what Franklin is all about. And I think that wisdom that comes from our members and, and learning and listening to them and, and getting to know them on an individual basis really kind of informs our decisions and informs the services we provide. And, you know, I feel very grateful to be part of something that that really is that inclusive from everything from young families just new to town to residents who are older, a different stage of life that are looking to maintain their health, strength and wellness for as long as they can. And I feel really, um, lucky and blessed that I get a chance to work with this diverse um, of an audience represent their needs and try to make their lives better. And it's been a, it's a really unique thing in Franklin that we, that we are here spanning that age group. Um, and, you know, I can't wait to see, um, you know, what the next five to 10 year brings our, brings our why here. Cause I just know um, we're going to keep doing this great work and making it even better. It's been a pleasure listening to the stories, sharing some of you I knew before, now I know more about you. You are good stewards of the organization. Continue to do the good work for another 50 years, although maybe not specifically in your roles. But you, you deserve re appropriate retirement time at some point when you choose to Thank make you. that decision. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Take care. Be well, Steve. Thank you. Thank and you. thanks to the listeners for listening. Stay tuned. And we do this as a quick reminder, because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. 
The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clock and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.